Amen. So we're going to get this. I want to go to 1 John. We're going to start in chapter 4, verses 18. And we're going to read just a second. But tonight I want to talk about something very personal. Everybody say, dismantling fear. We'll talk about what that looks like. Why it is such a paralyzing disposition. Most people are living life from either fear or love. The opposite, the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. According to scripture, it's fear. Because we know that perfect love does what? Cast out all fear. And so we want to, to get into this tonight. And so what I need you to do is I need you to open up your, your hearts to the Holy Spirit tonight as he begins to teach. So Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you. I thank you for your presence, for your anointing, Father. Let anything that I say that's not of you fall to the ground. And everything that you say through me, Father, be deposited in their hearts. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Just say this real quick for me. Fear or love. This is the concept that I want to deal with tonight because I want to talk about the spirit of fear. I'm not talking about being afraid. I'm talking about the spirit of fear. It will completely paralyze you. Some of you are called to do great things and you are not living out any of your potential because you have the spirit of fear generationally operating in your life. You play it safe because you think it's wisdom and I'm telling you, you're sacrificing your destiny. Fear has to be dealt with. The beautiful thing about whipping fear in your day is that it also breaks the generational curse from those to come from you. It is so imperative that we think transgenerationally. You would not be struggling with the things you're struggling with if mom and dad would have fought like that. What you whip is also, we don't just pass down generational curses, we also pass down victories. Come on somebody. Y'all here tonight? We also pass on victories. It is so imperative. It is so imperative to understand what you whip can also be passed down to the next generation. I don't know about you. How many mothers and fathers we got in this place? How many got kids? You don't want them growing up with the same things you did. Y'all here? I would never want my kids to have to deal with the things that I had to deal with coming up. I don't want them to have to jump the hurdles that I've had to jump. I want them to be at home with what it means to be fully loved and accepted. Amen, somebody. And so we're going to get into this thing tonight. This first passage we're very familiar with. Pastor Tim, if you could read here for me. First John, we're going to get into this. Y'all ready? All right, let's read. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Let's read it one more time. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Fear involves punishment. Now, you may not know this has everything to do with your relationship with God. Some of you actually are of the mindset, because some of us come out of very legalistic backgrounds. Thank God for grace. Amen, somebody. We come out of such legalistic backgrounds, we literally think that God has this 
uh, sin allergy that every time you mess up, he's coming to wreck your world. I'm telling you that even on your best day, he's got more than what he needs if that's what he was looking to do to wreck your world. Even on your best day. Paul said that there's none righteous. No, not one. None of us can celebrate or boast in our own righteousness. We are all saved by faith through grace. By grace through faith, excuse me. And so it is one of these things to where we need to understand that when you are growing in the Father, that you are absolutely coming in contact with what it means to be fully loved. Fully, fully loved. Uh, It's a privilege to pastor people and, and, and I get to talk with you guys a lot. You know, the beautiful thing about pastoring is that you get to hear the stories of the individuals and the stuff that they're going through. And one of the things that Shawnee and I would tell you guys, it often breaks our heart to be able to look at people. And even though we're talking and it may be casual talk, the pain that is on the inside is so obvious to us. One of the things that we just ask the Lord is to help us to begin to love in such a way to where it begins to reflect the Father's heart for you. Because if I'm, if somebody asks me, well, what is the purpose? What is the goal at VC? The reality of that is if, on, on, on a, if, if I sit back and think and I say, man, how would I know I did a job well done? I'll tell you, it's not teaching you how to sing. It's not telling you to lift your hand, sit down, say amen, shake your hand, running around church. All that stuff is cool. But if you don't leave this place knowing that you're fully loved, I've not preached the gospel to you. Yeah, that's good. Fully loved. God is not looking to judge you. That's not new covenant concept. If you hear that, you're hearing legalism. That's not the new covenant. The truth is, Jesus took your judgment at the cross. He took all of it at the cross. Matter of fact, I will say it like this. You did get judged. It just went in your favor. Actually, the Greek word for judgment in the New Testament is the word bema, and it actually means to hand out rewards. It's it's something, it's a concept that many of us have not grown up thinking because what we've been doing is exhausting ourselves, trying to get ourselves perfect And what happens is you try to, in your efforts, you start making the cross in vain. Because what happens is you start thinking that, listen, I can do this on my own. And the truth is you can't. You can't do this on your own. You'll never be good enough. You'll never pray enough. You'll never fast enough. You'll never do all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. You still need the grace of God, the cross, to make you who you are. Come on, somebody. You absolutely need it. And so the beautiful thing about the cross is that it shows us what divine love looks like. It looks like him laying down his life in this why we were yet sinners. He died while we were sinners, not when we tried to get it right. He looked at your worst day, your worst condition, your worst night. And he said, that's enough for me to still do this. Come on, somebody. Dying for you. The Bible doesn't say when Jesus was on the cross. It doesn't say this. He never said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The Greek word is doing. It's not do. It's Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. He's forgiven you. Why are you still doing it? This is so important. Look at Jesus. He hands Peter the keys to the kingdom, knowing that he would have to turn around a couple of chapters and tell him, get behind me, Satan, you know not spirit you're of. And still gave him the keys to the kingdom because he understands why love never fails. It never fails. He's looking for you to experience unconditional 
agape love. It's the only thing that will produce change. The law will teach you to get your act together, but you're still acting. Grace causes you to change. Grace, it may take more time for you to change under grace. Why? Because it's exposing everything that's in your heart. People who are moralists and legalists, they'll walk around as if they got it all together. And Jesus, you know what he said to them? Inside are what? Wolves. In sheep, he called them tombstones. He call, I mean, he, he was, Jesus went off, y'all. He never ridiculed the sinners. It was always the church. Amen, somebody. I've said this a lot, and I'll say it again. If the rules mean more than the person, you're religious. See, the Holy Spirit has rules. The Holy Spirit walking in a spiritual life absolutely has things that God will clean your life up. But it comes through grace. The Bible says in Titus that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. It teaches you how to do it. It's a whole lot better when you use his strength to change than yours. Come on, somebody. One more time. There is no, everybody said it, there is no fear in love. Not even a little bit. Why? What's it say? Because fear has to do with judgment. Why is that in there? Because God's trying to show you, I'm not judging you like that. That's just not his nature. He already took the judgment at the cross. That's why it was so brutal. He took your judgment. Someone said, yeah, but I still got to ask for forgiveness. I'm telling you, you're already forgiven. We act as if God is sitting in heaven with a grudge. And I'm not going to forgive you until you just beg me for it. No, no, no. He forgave you 2,000 years ago. At the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. He took up, he became sin that we become righteousness. You are forgiven. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, so you're telling me I'm forgiven past, present, future? I said, if he died 2,000 years ago, everything you did was in the future. It, it don't make sense. Yes. That's the only way it works. Come on, somebody. We need to really think about some of these questions we're asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll never forget. I tell this story in my book, man. When I was young, we was at a real legalistic church. And the pastor, he got up and said the rapture was happening that night, y'all. To a 10-year-old kid. I went to, I couldn't sleep that night. I'm in there. I'm like, oh, my God. Should I sleep outside? Am I going to go through the roof? Or like, I didn't, I was, I'm 10. He said, it's happening tonight. God showed him. Well, he missed it. I don't, these jokers be missing it, man. I, there's pastors that sell books on the rapture. They sell books on the rapture and sell millions of them. And these people still follow these dudes. The rapture's happening in this time and that time. No, it ain't, sir. It's not. You're wrong. Can I get my money back? No. I was scared to death. I was 10. Do you know why? Because I felt that I was going to miss her. You know how many times I asked God for forgiveness that night? In about one hour, I was like, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Oh, man. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Man, I'm 10. 
I'm like, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. I do love my dad. I do love my mom. God, forgive me. I'm 10. (laughs) Man, look, I'm 10 years old. Why? Because my concept of God, he was a judge. He wasn't a father. He wasn't a father. I didn't know him as a father. I knew him as a, a moral monster that if I didn't walk absolutely perfect, it's over. It's over. Maybe next week I'll get a chance to teach on what the straight and narrow contextually actually means. Because we've murdered that exegetically. So let's get into this. Now, we're going to get into this tonight here. Y'all with me? Isaiah 43, verse 1. Man, I need my glasses. Who got some reading glasses? Let me say it this way. Who's blind to hear that I can borrow some? Oh, boy. We just dialing up things. Oh, man, this is, don't take that off the camera. She got the nerve to be filming with these things. I can't, it, this is too, you can't see things you're too close to. I heard that this week. That, no, I'm, I'm good. Oh, and they style. Oh, hey, man. So we thank God for us. Isaiah 40, I look crazy in these. Man, as, Tim. Isaiah 43. I can see the orange while I'm looking at people. Isaiah 43. Let's read this. Now watch. You may say, what's this got to do with fear? But we're going to get into this. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Okay, watch you are this. mine. Let's go back. But now, thus saith the Lord, your what? Creator. Look at O jo- O Jacob. What is Jacob? Come on now. Who's Jacob? Old Testament figure, right? Jacob's the deceiver. He's the one that deceived Esau or his father, right? So, so we have Jacob is the the deceiver. And so we have a certain nature that's associated with that, okay? Now, he deceived his father Isaac. And so what happens is, God, in the journey of Jacob, because this is what, this is what the Christian life is all about. You're signing up for a journey. Some of you are afraid to get things right because you think God is demanding a leap. That's crazy. God's usually just wanting you to change directions. If he can get you to change directions, he can do more with your journey. That's what repentance really is, is changing directions. You're so scared because you think about surrender to God, I got to make this massive jump. God is a father. He won't ask all that of you all the time because he, he knows how you feel. He was touched with the feelings of your infirmities. I'm not going to get my daughter a bicycle and tell her, take off. You don't need training wheels. Go. Why? Because she's going to fall into every ditch and she's going to get wounded. You don't train that way and a father don't do that. And so this is something that God won't say, take a crazy leap. He'll say, just change directions. We'll start there. I just need you to start looking at different things. Because what you eventually stare at. You end up worshiping. 
Did you see that? Your focus actually creates an allegiance in your spiritual life. Do you hear this? And so, so, so watch this. Look at here. He says, oh, here we go. Now I'm good. But now, thus saith the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, now, and he who formed you, O Israel. How many know that Jacob and Israel is the same person? This is what we need to get. The old nature was created, but the new nature was formed. So, so, so get this. Old one was created, the new one was formed. And then what, look at what he says after the forming took place. Do not fear. See, this is the thing that needs to happen. Some of you was created in fear. Your entire life growing up is just, just surrounded by the symptoms of fear. You're living in survival mode. You don't even know what it's like to live life. Everything you think is just about survival. And God's trying to get you out of survival mode and into really living a life in that more abundantly. But he's got to have access to your mind before your bank account. He doesn't change your life with money. He changes it with thinking. Amen. See, money has principles. Wealth comes when principles are walked out. Where God is looking to engage us is in our thinking. He's concerned about the thoughts you are thinking about you. Some of you are stuck in Jacob. And God's trying to get you to Israel. The reason you're not seeing Israel, you've had all the prophetic words of your Israel come to pass. The reason you're not seeing it is because you're not submitting to the forming. It's good teaching tonight. Listen, it's, if you don't submit to the forming seasons, you can be in church your whole life and not know God. You can know when to shout, when to preach, when to say amen, when to dance, when to do all the stuff that we do. <laughs> and still not know God. I teach it in the house all the time. How do you know that you know God? Because you love your enemies. <laughs> it's the primary message of Christ. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Love your enemies. Come on, somebody. Turn your cheek. Forgive those who trespassed against you. This is how the kingdom manifests. It's not screaming real loud thinking that God responds to war chants. God responds to surrender over yelling. Come on, somebody. The kingdom, it will always manifest in your house before the church. That's the entry for the kingdom to manifest. How you're stewarding the relationships that God has you connected to. God never told you you have to trust them again. But he did tell you to love them. Come on now. I would actually argue that it's impossible to not trust. Because if I hurt you and you say, I don't trust you no more, Pastor, I would just say that you trust me to hurt you. As a worshiper, you absolutely cannot get away from trust. It's just in what are you trusting? Amen. Put this down if you're taking notes. Complaining is the commentary of unbelief.
you want to know if unbelief is in your heart, I want you to look at how much you complain about the seasons that God is requiring of you performing. Come on now. Anybody ever watched a potter's wheel? Y'all ever watch a potter's wheel? When they're creating these vessels and they've got the, the clay and they're creating the vessels, the potter will, they don't move like this. It's very gentle and it's very slow movement. But what's needed to be formed is circles. So all of you that's in a cycle, in a circle that you can't get out of, quit getting irritated with it. Because he's got his finger on you. Every time you go around, he moves just a little bit more. He moves just a little bit more because your circles is giving him the access to form you as a potter does clay. Are you hearing me? Don't rebuke your cycles. Just go for the ride. Because he's the potter. I'm trying to teach. Amen, somebody? Come on, say amen or owe me. All right. They say owe me and amen. You know, this is an interesting fact that I looked at. I didn't know this until today, um, but this is crazy. Do you know that fear not is mentioned in the entire Bible 365 times? It's It's the same amount of times that we have days in a year i don't find that coincidental i said oh my god every day you need to hear god say fear not every single day i don't care if you got the victory on monday tuesday you better get up here and fear not come on somebody you cannot let fear have any stronghold in your thinking It's not just about you walking with peace. It's about your nature attracting things. What you begin to harbor as a nature, what you begin to reflect as a nature is literally like a magnet bringing things into your world. If you walk hopeless, if you walk without identity, you're going to attract that same spirit. If you walk and you get up in the morning and you got a mind that is set where it's supposed to be, I'm telling you, opportunity will find you. God's trying to give you his nature for a reason. You got to come out of the Jacob and get to the Israel. Everybody say, for me. So go to 2 Timothy here, 1 through 7. I'm not going to be much longer. I just want to get this to you. This is is a big thing. This isn't about trying to just hype people up because I know there's a lot of nuggets to all this stuff. This is about getting some of us free. Some of us have been tormented for years and we are under the umbrella of saying we are a Christian. And Man, I'm telling you, you're living an inferior Christian life if you are not looking at your thinking or acknowledging that your thinking is rooted in fear. If you're not experiencing the peace of the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on some of the greatest things about the Holy Spirit. Some of the greatest things. So, so watch this. Watch this. 2 Timothy 1.7, we all know this. For God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Let me give you a little bit of context here. 2 Timothy is important, but 1 Timothy is more important. Because what's, what's he dealing with here, contextually? First Timothy, Paul is talking, he sends a letter to, to Timothy, who is the pastor at Ephesus. 
What's happening is Judaizers, how many know what Judaizers are? They come in and they tell you that you're under the law, that you need to be circumcised. They're coming back with the law of Moses. You still need all this stuff. Paul got so mad at one point, I mean, he, he flipped out in Galatians. You have to read it for yourself. I don't have time to get to it right now, but he flipped out in Galatians. They was talking about cutting off the foreskin. Paul said, cut the whole thing off. Like He, he was tired of them. You know, <laughs> that's for another sermon. But, but they always, wherever Paul would set a church, because he would establish it in the New Covenant doctrine, right? Which matters, because the New Covenant is the covenant that we live in. You cannot keep mixing stuff, because if you, if you have the mixture, it's going it's, 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 it's to be like a schizophrenic God. You can't have that. He's either satisfied with what the cross did, or he's not. And the cross released to us the true freedom in Christ. We are sons because of the work of the finished, the, the cross and the finished work of Christ. That is imperative. I get so irritated singing worship songs that do not reflect the new covenant. We're not chasing God no more. You're not chasing. He's not running from you, first of all. You're not chasing him. Jesus said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. We're not thirsty no more. He said, you'll drink of a well from which you'll never thirst again. Come on, we're not hungry no more. Quit singing that stuff. We're not hungry. Those who thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. This is the new covenant. (laughs) All that other stuff is the orphanage. That's fatherless people that don't understand the relationship with the father. Come on into the living room. Over here, we're satisfied. And we sing with thanksgiving about the, the, the blessing of our sonship. With Christ. Amen. I wish the body of Christ would get this stuff. It matters. It matters. It matters. He says here in Timothy. He says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. See anything in your thinking that is attached to fear. Anything you need to realize that's not a method the father uses to teach. How do I know the enemy speaking? Because fear is in his toolbox. Come on, somebody. Fear is in his toolbox. That's not something God ever uses. Someone say, well, ain't the fear of the Lord good? That's a whole different thing. It's not this type of stuff. God don't use fear to teach you anything. Come on, somebody. He just don't do it. So I want to go over here real quick. John 14, 27. Let's swing over there real quick. Am I doing all right? John 14, 27. Man. Okay. Let's read. Peace I leave with you. Let's, Let's go back. Let's go. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Okay, this is, this is important. This is Jesus talking. Everybody say, peace, I leave with you. Right? He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. See, this is his nature talking. I'm saying this to somebody because some of y'all have been in hell, tormented by thoughts that are not coming from the Father. It's not coming from the Father. It's coming from the enemy. And it's ruining your life. Some of you have lost sleep, cannot sleep. You feel like, like everything's getting ready to crash 
down around you. And I'm telling you, that's the thoughts of the enemy. Be careful what you entertain. You also have the ability to manifest. Be careful what you entertain. I want you to put this down in your notes. You know, I always like us taking notes. Put this down. Peace is easier to receive when it's not at war with our agenda. Put this, put, peace is easier to receive when it's not at war with my agenda. It's hard to receive peace when what you want for your life is different than what he does. See, we want to fix Jacob up. We want to go and get him a good outfit. God said, I'm not worried about Jacob. I want to form Israel. I'm not dressing Jacob up. I, want, I don't want that side of you no more. Israel. Israel, when, when Jacob was wrestling with the angel, what made him let go? It wasn't the dislocation of the hip because he was still wrestling. It's not until God called him with a new name. He was fighting with God because he finally wanted to be called something other than what his past was. Because Jacob was attached to the deceiver that stole the birthright. Come on. That's when Jesus met the woman at the well. What well did he meet her at? The well of Jacob, not the well of Israel. That's why there was a whole bunch of lying going on there. She was like, you know, she was trying to lie to Jesus and Jesus checked her real quick. She says, sir, I I perceive you to be a prophet. Well, duh. Quit drinking from the well of Jacob. If some of you would just give God two months of surrender, you'll never want to go back to Jacob. Can I give you the Greek for what surrender means? Here's my definition. It sucks. Why? I'm just being real. It sucks. Because when you are used to the Jacob mindset, You, Jacob figured out how to sleep at night. He knows what to do when he needs to get sleep. When stuff gets tough, he, he's, he's got all these different things that he does. He knows how to fix how he feels. But none of it's transformation. It's just getting him by the moment. Israel says, Lord, I'll deal with the heartaches until I'm healed. Israel is submitting to the forming. Jacob just wants a quick fix. Some of y'all are caught up in Jacob. Things get tough. It's easier, man. Just give me a drink. Give me a smoke. Let me talk to so-and-so. Let me go over here. Let me call so-and-so. People you know you ain't supposed to be messing with right now. That's Jacob stuff. That's Jacob. They're going to get you through the night, but you're going to wake up with the same issue. Come on, somebody. God said, no, 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 no. Let me cut that thing off. It's going to suck for a minute. But if you'll just trust me. If you'll just trust me, I'm going to show you that you are Israel. It's hard to change, to stop being Jacob and coming to Israel. Because it requires trust. Requires trust. Isn't it funny that when Jesus healed the blind man, the blind man said, no one's there to put me into the water. And when the the people would get healed in the water, what kind of water healed them? The Bible says it was troubled water. Troubled water. Sometimes when God is healing you, 
It's troubled water. It's troubled water. Why is it troubled water? Because you got a lot of stuff to fix. It's going to feel like World War U. But I'm telling you, if you'll trust them in the war, you'll come out on the backside saying, man, why didn't I do this years ago? Why didn't I surrender years ago? Come on now. Jacob's getting too old for this stuff. It's time for Israel to emerge. Out of Israel came the nations. It's good preaching, Pastor. Here's the other thing about fear. I put this down. That fear isn't afraid of the unknown. Fear is us convincing ourselves the results are unfavorable. This is what fear does. People actually, it's not about, we don't get fearful looking into the future because it's unknown. Fear actually sells you the concept that tomorrow is going to be unfavorable. If you do this, this is going to be a problem. And so what you do is you never take the step. And it keeps you stationary. Because you never take the step. See, it's weird. Peter, this joker, get out of the boat, starts walking out water. The waves go crazy, and he just starts panicking and starts sinking. Dude, if I had waves or the fact that I'm walking out water, I think the walking out water would be enough to say I'm going to be all right. <laughs> because I'm doing the waves. I've seen them my whole life. I've never seen a dude walk on water. But he started panicking. He started See, God doesn't always stop your storm. But he will teach you to walk on it. Sometimes, man, sometimes, I'm telling you, fear has a way of almost being prophetic. In the sense that it sells you a tomorrow that is going to hurt you. And so you avoid it. Some of us have been in relationships you had no business being in. You had no business being in it. It had nothing to do with your purpose. All it was is a quick fix to your loneliness. Had nothing to do with aligning to your purpose. Had everything to do with fixing how you feel about you. Healing always requires isolation. I promise you, even married folk, when God is doing something in my heart, it's even though I'm married and I'm with my wife, and you know, it's still moments to where I feel very isolated. Because God is pulling at me in a way that I can't even express. David had to encourage himself. You know why? The man was in the process. There's, there is a certain point in your life when God is dealing with you that where nobody can penetrate you but the God in you. Nobody. And this forming thing is major, y'all. It's major. We don't deal with fear by coming up at an altar. This is where the Church of America, we mess up. We made this altar an idol. This is not an altar. You know what this is? This is the front of a church. Your altar is the heart. There is no new covenant altar. It's the heart. That's where God begins to deal with you. It's at your heart. Come on now. The Bible says he gives you a heart of flesh. He gives you a heart of flesh. And and so many of us, so many of us, are not living in the potential that God has for your life because you just won't trust him enough to form you. 
Good word. Last passage. Can I have five minutes? Thanks, Jabin. You spoke for everybody. Thanks, man. I used to hate that, too, when I was bored at church. I had five minutes, one radical, sold-out person would be like, yeah! I was like, oh, man. I was still Jacob. I was hungry. <laughs> when you fall in love with Jesus, you can't get enough word. You really can't. So look at it. Look at this next part. Most of our anxiety doesn't come through thinking about our future. It comes from trying to control it. Most anxiety, it doesn't come from just thinking about the future. It's trying to control it. Why are you trying to control it? You have trust issues. You have trust issues. Well, God didn't show it for me because God's not required to endorse your agenda. You know, no is still an answer. Come on, somebody. No is still an answer. So look at here. Last passage here. Go here real quick. Last, last verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This okay? Woo! Gonna have to get Demita back up here. We give you. Makes it, makes it easier, you know, the worship. So, so look here. This, this is important. Philippians 4, 6. This is probably, in my opinion, Paul's most revelatory moment. This is loaded. This past, it is loaded, y'all. I was sitting there studying today, and I said, Jesus. I came upstairs and told Shawnee, and she was trying to add nuggets, y'all. My wife, she always trying to add nuggets. We go back and forth. I'm, I'm just joking. But I'll give her my deep revelation. She'll say, yeah, but you should say it this way. <laughs> Philippians 4. So watch. Okay. You ready? Let's read. Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer. Let's get that mic fixed because we're, we're recording. I want to make sure that's clear. Let's go. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Okay, slow slow down. Y'all, are you catching this? Paul is ripping. Be anxious for nothing. Look it. Anxiousness is not your friend. It's not your helper. It's not going to help you do anything or get anything faster. Anxiousness is, you know what anxiousness is? It's driving on a five-hour road trip with two 10 and 9 year olds are we there yet we just left that's anxiousness we're not there yet man you got a pillow and blanket go to sleep wake up 10 minutes later are we there yet no that's what anxiousness is see if the enemy can't get you with sin he'll try to get you with timing because some things some things in your life you got to understand this timing is there's a speed limit to purpose there is a speed limit to purpose. You cannot get out ahead of yourself. You hear what I'm saying? You need to make sure that you are walking at the pace the Father's got you at because it's the potter's wheel. It's the potter's wheel. It's very, very important to make sure you're walking at the pace the Spirit has got you at. You're not ready for what you wish for. You're only ready for what you die for. You're never ready for what you wish for, only ready for what you die for. That's good teaching tonight. This okay? Look at 
be anxious for nothing. Or you could look at it this way. If you're going to be anxious, let it be for nothing. I'll let that, let that sink in a minute. Yeah. Come on. Hurry to nothing. Yes, sir. He says here, but in everything. Now, this is, this is where the revelation, it just, oh, man. I'm going to say this and I'm going to sit down and say amen to myself and get back up. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Two different things. Prayer and petition. The word supplication, petition, Greek, same thing. Prayer is not you asking God for anything. Prayer is divine adjustment. Petition is after divine adjustment. You need to get this. When I pray, it's... Our Father who art in heaven. You don't have to say those words, but that's the model. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive our death, forgive our trespass. All this stuff that he's saying, this stuff has nothing to do with what your agenda wants. It's everything about you positioning your heart for what the Father wants. Then he says, after you made those adjustments, let's get to what you want. Why? Because you're going to not want what you want, what you've changed in prayer. He don't start with petition and then prayer. It's prayer first. Then I'll let you ask what you want. But what you want changes if you've done prayer the right way. Are you hearing me? He started with not to be anxious. So you can't bring that into any of that. God never responds to hurry up. He never responds to hurry up. Look at here. He says, but in everything, I love this part, prayer and supplication with, ooh, here's the dagger. Javen, this is like the, the dagger that kills. With what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. He's literally saying, with the, how are you thankful for something that you've not received yet? Y'all catching this? It's one thing to be thankful after you've got in your hand what you petitioned for. But he's saying, make this a part of the beginning of your posture. Not the end. With thanksgiving, he says, what? Let your request be made known to God. In other words, what do you need from God? Father, I thank you. This is what thanksgiving is not. God, I thank you right now for giving me that car. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you. I want that car. Ooh, and cherry red, too. Ooh, that's you ain't thanking God. You're you're trying to manipulate. And you don't even realize it. That's not thanking God. He's using Thanksgiving as a posture here. In other words, what he's saying, and I wrote this down, guys, get this, please get this, get this, get this. Every said everybody say all things asked in thanks. So this is what it really means. Whatever you do in response to my petition. I see his goodness. Let us sink. What is Thanksgiving? It's whatever you decide to do. I petitioned you. Whatever your answer is, I see it as goodness. That's deep. If he says no, God, thank you for your no. It's good. It's good. If God says not yet, it's good. God says I need you in this season a little bit longer. It's good. It's good. It's good. Come on, Sal. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Why? Because it's forming. 
It's forming, it's forming, it's forming. It's good. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's not running around, oh, you know, that ain't what that is. That's not what it is. Most real Thanksgiving doesn't have a sound. Thanksgiving really doesn't have a sound. It can say something, but it's not required. Thanksgiving is a posture. Whatever you say to my petitions, I'm remaining of the mindset that it's good. Some of us say, I'm offended with God. That's because you're still trying to fix Jacob. And God's saying, let me form Israel. God doesn't want to give you what your flesh wants. He wants to give you his intentions for your life. There is a you that is so satisfied in the kingdom that some of you, it's so far in your future, in your mind. You can't even see yourself happy. You can't even see yourself genuinely loved. You can't even see yourself operating outside of fear. And God is saying, I want to show you that. But it comes through forming. See, the scripture says, and I'm closing on this. This is a beautiful thing. It says that perfect love does what? Say it right there. Cast out. Perfect love casts out fear. Casting out isn't just yelling at a thing and saying, come out. That's not how that works in the kingdom. That's not how it works in the kingdom. This is so important to grab this. Perfect fear cast out. Or perfect love cast out all fear, right? How does that happen, though? It comes through what Paul says in Timothy. He says, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but power, love. And the word sound mind means self-discipline. You have to recognize what nature you're hearing from. And then you have to discipline yourself to marry it. That's fear. That ain't God. That's love. That's where I'm going. That's where the forming starts. The way to cast out fear is submit to the forming. What does that look like? That could look like several things. And I'm not beating nobody up. I don't have anybody in particular in mind. It could look like several things. Like get to church more. Why? Because you need the word. You ain't strong enough to go once a month. Absolutely not. Every time you come to church shouldn't be a repentance session. <laughs> come on, somebody. Come on, else. You know you're growing when you come here for equipping. Hey, it's good preaching. When you come for equipping. Hey, miss somebody. Church more. Why? It's not because I'm trying to fill the pews up. It's because you need the word of God. This is, I'm a gift to you. A five-fold ministry is a gift to equip the saints. You leave here full of the Spirit. Amen, somebody. Make non-negotiables. This is what I'm going to do from this moment on so that I can make sure I'm walking in the purpose. This is what I'm going to commit to from here on out because I'm walking in the purpose. Not just church. Praying in the spirit. Building a relationship with the Holy Spirit. God's trying to make you spiritual. Not a good church member. Spiritual. 
All that other stuff will fall into place once you become spiritual. Amen, somebody. I find it funny in the Corinth, man. The Corinth church is the only church in the New Testament that spoke in tongues. It's also the only church Paul said is not spiritual. <laughs> Come on, your shundai don't mean you're being formed. Your surrender does. So I want you to stand with me tonight.